Section 35 of The French Revolution. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Anna Simon. The French Revolution by Thomas Carlyle. Volume 1, Book 5, Chapter 9. The Lantern. The fall of the Bastille may be said to have shaken all France to the deepest foundations of its existence. The rumour of these wonders flies everywhere. With the natural spread of rumour, with an effect thought to be preternatural, produced by plots. Did D'Orléans or Laclos, nay, did Mirabeau, not overburdened with money at this time, send riding couriers out from Paris to gallop on all radii or highways towards all points of france it is a miracle which no penetrating man will call in question already in most towns electoral committees were met to regret necker in harangue and resolution in many a town as rennes caen lyon an ebullient people was already regretting him in brickbats and musketry but now at every town's end in france there do arrive in these days of terror men as men will arrive nay men on horseback since rumour oftenest travels riding these men declare with alarmed countenance the brigands to be coming to be just at hand and do then ride on about their further business be what it might whereupon the whole population of such town defensively flies to arms petition is soon thereafter forwarded to national assembly in such peril and terror of peril leave to organize yourself cannot be withheld the armed population becomes everywhere an enrolled national guard thus writes rumour careering along all radii from paris outwards to such purpose in few days some say in not many hours all france to the utmost borders bristles with bayonets singular but undeniable miraculous or not but thus may any chemical liquid though cool to the freezing point or far lower still continue liquid and then on the slightest stroke or shake it at once rushes wholly into ice thus has france for long months and even years been chemically dealt with brought below zero and now shaken by the fall of a bastille it instantaneously congeals into one crystallized mass of sharp cutting steel quea chila tocca where who touches it in paris an electoral committee with a new mayor and general is urgent with belligerent workmen to resume their handicrafts strong dames of the market Dame de la Halle, deliver congratulatory harangues, present bouquets to the shrine of Saint Genevieve. Unenrolled men deposit their arms, not so readily as could be wished, and receive nine francs. With te dames, royal visits, and sanctioned revolution, there is halcyon weather, weather even of preternatural brightness, the hurricane being overblown nevertheless as is natural the waves still run high hollow rocks retaining their murmur we are but at the twenty-second of the month 
hardly above a week since the Bastille fell, when it suddenly appears that old Foulon is alive, nay, that he is here, in early morning, in the streets of Paris. The extortioner, the plotter, who would make the people eat grass, and was a liar from the beginning. It is even so. The deceptive, sumptuous funeral, of some domestic that died, the hiding-place at Vitry towards Fontainebleau, have not availed that wretched old man. Some living domestic or dependent, for none loves Foulon, has betrayed him to the village. Merciless boors of Vitry unearth him, pounce on him like hellhounds. Westward, old infamy! To Paris, to be judged at Hôtel de Ville. His old head, which seventy-four years have bleached, is bare. They have tied an emblematic bundle of grass on his back. A garland of nettles and thistles is round his neck. In this manner, led with robes, goaded on with curses and menaces, must he with his old limbs sprawl forward, the pitiablest, most unpitied of all old men. Sooty Saint Antoine, and every street, mustering its crowds as he passes, the Place de Grève, the hall of the Hôtel de Ville, will scarcely hold his escort and him. Foulon must not only be judged righteously, but judged there where he stands without any delay. Appoint seven judges, ye municipals, or seventy and seven. Name them yourselves, or we will name them, but judge him. Electoral rhetoric, eloquence of Mayor Bailly, is wasted explaining the beauty of the law's delay. Delay and still delay. Behold, O Mayor of the people, the morning has worn itself into noon, and he is still unjudged. Lafayette, pressingly sent for, arrives, gives voice. This Foulon, a known man, is guilty almost beyond doubt. But may he not have accomplices? Ought not the truth to be cunningly pumped out of him, in the Abbaye prison? It is a new light. Sansculottism claps hands. At which hand-clapping, Foulon, in his feigness, as his destiny would have it, also claps. See, they understand one another, cries dark sansculottism, blazing into fury of suspicion. Friends, said a person in good clothes, stepping forward, what is the use of judging this man? Has he not been judged these thirty years? With wild yells, sansculottism clutches him, in its hundred hands, he is whirled across the Place de Grève to the lantern, lamp-iron, which there is at the corner of the Rue de la Vannerie, pleading bitterly for life to the deaf winds. Only with the third rope, for two ropes broke, and the quavering voice still pleaded, can he be so much as got hanged. His body is dragged through the streets, his head goes aloft on a pike, the mouth filled with grass, amid sounds as of topfe from a grass-eating people. Surely, if revenge is a kind of justice, it is a wild kind. O mad sansculottism, hast thou risen, in thy mad darkness, in thy suit and rags, unexpectedly, like an enchilados, living buried, from under his chinacria? They that would make grass be eaten, do now eat grass, in this manner. After long, dumb-groaning generations, has the turn suddenly become thine? 
to such abysmal overturns and frightful instantaneous inversions of the centre of gravity are human solecisms all liable if they but knew it the more liable the falser and top-heavier they are to add to the horror of mayor pays and his municipals word comes that berthier has also been arrested that he is on his way hither from compiegne berthier intendant say tax levier of paris sycophant and tyrant forestaller of corn contriver of camps against the people accused of many things is he not foulon's son-in-law and in that one point guilty of all in these hours too when sansculottism has its blood up the shuddering municipals send one of their number to escort him with mounted national guards at the fall of day the wretched berthier still wearing a face of courage arrives at the barrier in an open carriage with a municipal beside him five hundred horsemen with drawn sabres unarmed footmen enough not without noise placards go brandished round him bearing legibly his indictment as sansculottism with unlegal brevity in huge letters draws it up il a vol le roi et la france he robbed the king and france he devoured the substance of the people he was the slave of the rich and a tyrant of the poor he drank the blood of the widow and orphan he betrayed his country paris is come forth to meet him with hand-clappings with windows flung up with dances triumph songs as of the furies lastly the head of foulon this also meets him on a pike well might his look become glazed and sense fail him at such sight nevertheless be the man's conscience what it may his nerves are of iron at the hotel de ville he will answer nothing he says he obeyed superior order they have his papers they may judge and determine as for himself not having closed an eye these two nights he demands before all things to have sleep leaden sleep thou miserable berthier guards rise with him in motion towards the abbaye at the very door of the hotel de ville they are clutched flung asunder as by a vortex of mad arms berthier whirls towards the lantern he snatches a musket fells and strikes defending himself like a mad lion is borne down trampled hanged mangled his head too and even his heart flies over the city on a pike horrible in lands that had known equal justice not so unnatural in lands that had never known it le sang qui coule est-il donc si pur asks barnave intimating that the gallows though by irregular methods has its own thou thyself o reader when thou turnest that corner of the rue de la vannerie and discernest still that same grim bracket of old iron will not want for reflections over a grocer's shop or otherwise with a bust of louis the fourteenth in the niche under it or now no longer in the niche it still sticks there still holding out an ineffectual light of fish oil and has seen worlds wrecked and says nothing but to the eye of enlightened patriotism what a thundercloud was this suddenly shaping itself in the radiance of the halcyon weather cloud of erebus blackness betokening latent electricity without limit mayor bailly general lafayette 
throw up their commissions in an indignant manner, need to be flattered back again. The cloud disappears as thunder clouds do. The halcyon weather returns, though of a greyer complexion, of a character more and more evidently not supernatural. Thus, in any case, with what rubs soever, shall the Bastille be abolished from our earth, and with it feudalism, despotism, and, one hopes, scoundrelism generally, and all hard usage of man by his brother man. Alas, the scoundrelism and hard usage are not so easy of abolition, but as for the Bastille, it sinks day after day and month after month. It's ashlers and boulders tumbling down continually by express order of our municipals. Crowds of the curious roam through its caverns, gaze on the skeletons found walled up on the oubliettes, iron cages, monstrous stone blocks with padlocked chains. One day we discern Mirabeau there, along with the Genevese Dumont. Workers and onlookers make reverent way for him, fling verses, flowers on his path. Bastille papers and curiosities into his carriage, with vivats. Able editors compile books from the Bastille archives, from what of them remain unburned. The key of that robber den shall cross the Atlantic, shall lie on Washington's hall table. The great clock ticks now in a private, patriotic clockmaker's apartment, no longer measuring hours of mere heaviness. Vanished is the Bastille, what we call vanished. The body or sandstones of it hanging in benign metamorphosis for centuries to come over the Seine waters, as Pont Louis says, the soul of it living, perhaps still longer, in the memories of man. So far, ye august senators, with your tennis court oaths, your inertia and impetus, your sagacity and pertinacity, have you brought us. And yet, think, messieurs as the petitioner justly urged, you who were our saviours did yourselves need saviours. The brave Bastiers, namely, workmen of Paris, many of them in straitened pecuniary circumstances. Subscriptions are opened, lists are formed, more accurate than Eli's, harangues are delivered. A body of Bastille heroes, tolerably complete, did get together, comparable to the Argonauts, hoping to endure like them. But in little more than a year, the whirlpool of things threw them asunder again, and they sank. So many highest superlatives achieved by man are followed by new higher, and dwindle into comparatives and positives. The siege of the Bastille, weighed with which, in the historical balance, most other sieges, including that of Troy Town, are gossamer, cost as we find, in killed and mortally wounded on the part of the besiegers, some eighty-three persons, on the part of the besieged, after all that straw-burning, fire-pumping, and deluge of musketry, one poor solitary invalid shot stone-dead, what more, on the battlements. The Bastille fortress, like the city of Jericho, was overturned by miraculous sound, End of section 35